an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. From 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Meyers. Today's show features Seth's interview with baseball commentators Kevin Millar and Sean Casey. Plus, just for this podcast, Seth continues the conversation with Kevin and Sean backstage at Studio 8G. But first, a closer look. As he continues to deal with the aftermath of his disastrous response to the humanitarian crisis in Puerto Rico, President Trump is now also dealing with an internal crisis, a simmering feud with the Secretary of State. For more on this, it's time for a closer look. After his tour of Puerto Rico, where he chided Puerto Ricans for throwing the budget out of whack and tossed paper towels into the crowd like he was at the free throw line, Trump did what he always does, bragged about his performance and made up a bizarre and completely unnecessary lie about how unprecedented his trip was. He told reporters on Air Force One, I think it meant a lot to the people of Puerto Rico that I was there. They really responded very nicely. And I guess it's one of the few times anybody has done this. From what I am hearing, it's the first time that a sitting president has done something like this. You think this is the first time a sitting president has visited hurricane victims? This isn't even the first time you've done it. You were just in Texas and Florida a few weeks ago. Remember? Oh, no. You don't remember, do you? This is turning into 51st dates, but for hurricanes. In a way, though, in a way, though, Trump is right. This is the first time a sitting president has embarrassed himself this much while trying to comfort the victims of a natural disaster. For example, after he threw supplies at hurricane victims, the crowd literally had to tell him to stop. According to the Washington Post, Trump passed out yellow bags of rice and then started tossing rolls of towels into the crowd. The crowd laughed and cheered him on. When he contemplated doing the same with the cans of chicken, the crowd <laughs> gently told him no. Oh my God. Our president had to be told not to throw cans of chicken at hurricane victims. I wouldn't be surprised if he only built Trump Tower so he could drop pennies off the roof. <laughs> but of all, 
Of all Trump's missteps in Puerto Rico, there's one that is perhaps the most embarrassing and also the most revealing. At the church where supplies were being handed out, he encountered a church member giving out water purification tablets. Basically, these tablets turned dirty water into clean drinking water. And not only could Trump not believe it worked, he couldn't believe they were giving it away for free. Here's how that exchange went according to the Post. Wait, Trump said, you put it in dirty water and then you can drink it after 10 to 12 hours, she explained. Would you do it? Would you drink it, he asked? Sure, she said. Really, Trump said, a disgusted look coming across his face? Really, she said. Is this your company or something? Trump asked the woman, seeming suspicious of the aggressive pitch. No, she said, I'm part of the church. <laughs> Trump genuinely cannot contemplate doing something out of the goodness of your heart. He just assumes it must be a scam. So you give them the dirty water, but you say it's clean? No, it's clean. Oh, so you clean the water, but then you sell it for double the price? No, we give it away for free. Oh, I get it. So while they're drinking the water, you go around and steal all their wallets? <laughs> but this, this is yet another reminder to the evangelicals who support Trump. He doesn't understand church. <laughs> What's Jesus' cut, 20%? That's very good. That's a lot of cans of chicken. But after embarrassing himself, insulting the people of Puerto Rico, and repeatedly bringing up the financial cost of the recovery, Trump, out of nowhere, seemed to throw Puerto Rico a potential lifeline. Right now, the government of Puerto Rico is dealing with an economic crisis and billions of dollars in debt, bought up by hedge funds and other Wall Street firms who have blocked any attempt to allow Puerto Rico to restructure its debt or declare bankruptcy. But as Trump was leaving the island on Tuesday, he seemed to suggest he might support forgiving Puerto Rico's debt completely. We're going to work something out. We have to look at their whole debt structure. You know, they owe a lot of money to your friends on Wall Street, and we're going to have to wipe that out. That's going to have to be, uh, you know, you can say goodbye to that. I don't know if it's Goldman Sachs, but whoever it is, you can wave goodbye to that. Well, that'll be easy. I've been waving goodbye to things since you became president. <laughs> Bye, Constitution. Bye, good night's sleep. Bye, half the people I know on Facebook. But... Forgiving Puerto Rico's debt would be a truly transformative step that would go a long way to alleviating the suffering of Puerto Ricans and make up for many of Trump's missteps in handling the crisis. So naturally, his budget director, Mick Mulvaney, went on TV the next morning to tell people, don't listen to the president. The president sure. seemed to suggest that he is open to wiping out the Puerto Rican debt. Is that to be taken seriously on its face? Uh, I wouldn't take it word for word with that. Agreed. No one should ever take Trump word for word. It's far more fun to take his words and then put them in an order that you find interesting. I have Wall Street friends. I have a lot of money. I have but hold. I have but hold. I have but hold. Goodbye. Very proud of that. Of course, the president isn't content to botch just one crisis, which is why he's in the process of botching another, North Korea's nuclear program. The international community has been desperately pursuing every diplomatic angle to avoid what would certainly be a catastrophic war. And Trump's own government has been working with the UN Security Council, China, and even through back channels of North Korea itself to resolve the conflict peacefully. So once again, Trump threw all that out the window when he tweeted out of nowhere over the weekend, I told Rex Tillerson, our wonderful Secretary of State, that he is wasting his time trying to negotiate with Little Rocket Man. Save your energy, Rex. We'll do what has to be done. So all the careful diplomacy and bargaining and angling just goes out the window with one tweet. It's like everyone is playing an intense game of Jenga and Trump is the rambunctious golden retriever barging through the doggy door. Also, 
I wouldn't be too concerned that Rex Tillerson is expending a lot of energy. He looks like the guy sitting in a rocking chair outside the corner store who says, storms are coming, I can feel it in my knee. So Trump has once again undercut the diplomatic efforts of his Secretary of State, which has happened so many times that Tillerson apparently threatened to resign over the summer, according to a report yesterday from NBC News. But the fact that Tillerson threatened to resign is not the most damning part of this story. That, of course, had to do with what Tillerson called Trump behind his back. At a meeting at the Pentagon with the president's national security team, there were cabinet officials, White House officials. The president attended. He left. The group was gathering. There were a number of people around, and the secretary called the president a moron. Wow. And Tillerson has that great Texas accent, so you know he really stretched it out. That guy is a moron. Now, obviously, this story was based on anonymous sources, and the State Department denied it, which is why MSNBC did their own reporting on exactly what Tillerson said and issued an important clarification later that day. My source didn't just say uh, that he called him a moron. He said an effing moron. This story keeps getting better and better. Seriously, I can't wait for the next update. Oh, here it is right here. Sources have further clarified that Tillerson called Trump a straight-up, nose-picking, mouth-breathing, Mr. Belt Loop, <laughs> moron. <laughs> Tillerson, of course, was forced to issue a statement at a hastily arranged press conference yesterday where he took the extraordinary step of trying to assure the American people that the president is not, in fact, a moron. Let me tell you what I've learned about this president, whom I did not know before taking this office. He loves his country. He puts Americans and America first. He's smart. Man, to think a guy's a moron and then be forced to publicly say he's smart. I guess when your name is Rex, you're going to be good at rolling over. Good boy, Rex. Good boy. Oh, stay away from the Jenga. Now, yesterday, while he was in Las Vegas, Trump was asked about the Tillerson story and his comments afterwards. They could not stop himself from attacking the media. Watch as he keeps saying thank you as if to stop talking and then continues to ramble. Yeah, I'm very honored by his comments. It was fake news. It was a totally phony story. Thank you very much. It was made up. It was made up by NBC. They just yeah, made it up. Thank you all. Thank you. Total confidence in Rex. I have total confidence. Thank you very much, everybody. You can almost see the angel and devil on his shoulders wrestling for control. Say it was fake news. No, say thank you and leave. Call it a phony story. Walk away and don't throw chicken cans. Throw the chicken, throw it. No, throw the paper towels, but not the chicken. Throw the chicken, but wrap it in paper towels so they think it's off. <laughs> We're in a truly extraordinary situation where the president is fighting with his own secretary of state as he faces multiple foreign policy challenges. In fact, cabinet officials are apparently now so concerned about the president's volatility that several of them have forged an agreement to quit if Trump tries to fire one of them. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin reportedly have forged a suicide pact <laughs> in which all three members of President Trump's cabinet would leave if one of them became a target of the president. Jesus, so three cabinet officials have to band together to deal with their out-of-control boss. They're treating him like he's Dabney Coleman in 9 to 5. <laughs> And before you say that was a dated reference, they were all at the Emmys. <laughs> so this is the situation we're in. Cabinet officials are forming suicide pacts to protect each other from the president. The president is volatile, 
unstable, incompetent, in other words. A moron. No, that's not it. An effing moron. Yeah, that's it. This has been a closer look. Before we get to Seth's chat with Kevin Millar and Sean Casey, we wanted to let you know about a special treat for fans of the Late Night Podcast. Believe it or not, we're about to hit the 100th episode of this podcast. And to commemorate the event, Seth Meyers and producer Mike Shoemaker want to hear from you, the fans. Send your questions as text or audio files to podcast at latenightseth.com, and you might hear them answered on the 100th episode. Again, that's podcast at latenightseth.com. Now let's hear Seth's interview with MLB analysts Kevin Millar and Sean Casey. Our former Major League Baseball stars, one is the co-host of Intentional Talk and a 2004 World Series champion, and the other is an analyst for MLB Tonight and a member of the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. Please welcome back to the show two of our favorites, Kevin Millar and Sean Casey, everybody. Man. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Aren't they fantastic? Amazing. Good to be fifth back. time. Fifth, fifth time, time on the show. Yeah. Great. Her Tina, of course, is her sixth time. This right? is her sixth time. I don't want you to take, don't be judged by that. Martha yeah. Stewart, seven. Martha Stewart, seven. So we're going to come back next week. So you are. <laughs> I'm going to schedule this next, next week. You want to take down Martha Stewart? Yes. How great would that be? Yeah. I think, just, I, think I mean, by the, the way, you would already be here more than Martha Stewart if you guys could cook a little bit. I, I, I make a mean scramble. You come over to my house, Casey, I'll so make you up a nice scramble. Okay, cook? good. Oh, yeah, I cook. Cook? By the way, a scramble is what not that a mean? cook. By the way, yeah. is this Pittsburgh <laughs> lingo? What does that mean, it's scramble? A Pittsburgh, it's a Pittsburgh thing, you know? Yeah. Like a couple eggs, yeah, you guys are like, Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, so it's not a both. Pittsburgh thing. Everybody knows what a scramble is. <laughs> hey, raise your hands if you know what a scramble is. raise your hands. I mean, I would jump from scramble to probably scrambled eggs. Plus, look at it. Sean. What else could he make? <laughs> I don't like fried cheese or something. You know but Kevin, I was. This made me so happy this summer. You went back, and this was an actual baseball game. The St. Saint Paul Saints, which was an independent league team that you came up with. Yes. You came and you played in a minor league game this summer. This was not an exhibition, right? No, this was real stuff. 25 years ago, I played for the St. Paul Saints. Bill Murray owns the club. He's part owner, so I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna have a bobblehead doll, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll come back there only if I can get one at bat. Now, I said that as a joke. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I'm an overweight dad. I'm like a dad body, right? I've yeah. been a punch up in seven years. Haven't seen live pitching in seven years. Yeah. Okay? I took batting practice with my son in the garage. My son, Canyon Cash, flipping dad, because I don't want to blow out an oblique. Sure. Got it. Took 20 swings. That's it. 20 swings. You and had to be then, careful. And then let's just go to the tape. This is real. There are going to be butterflies. Drilled high in the air left field. Are you kidding me? Gone! No way! I feel like I'm the natural. It was the best. It truly was. I didn't hit a home run in batting practice. The players, of course, you know, they all think you played in the big leagues. You're going to hit home run. Guys, I'm trying to just touch the ball. Yeah. And I hit a home run. It was a 1-0 pitch, and I think I blacked out. I I didn't know what happened. I get all the, that was the greatest thing ever. I'm like, I just blacked out. What happened? I didn't know what happened. Did you hear? Did the pitcher say anything? No, but that night I took all the boys out. We're out there having a drink and stuff, and all of a sudden the pitcher was there. The other team was in, at the bar. I'm like, they're like, he wants to meet you. I'm like, get him over here. I want to give him a hug. Like, <laughs> he's like, I thought you were a dad. I just figured I'll throw a fastball. It was a 1 0 pitch. I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> well, it was great to watch. And you mentioned Bill Murray was a, a owner of the team. He was a first base coach a few times when you played. He was our first base coach. Uh, one day, I, I think I told the story, but he came to the field. He's in the same clothes. I'm like, Bill, what happened? You can't change. And he got kicked out of his hotel room for playing ball. With his kids, they broke a window, and they kicked Bill Murray out. He slept in the parking lot at St. Paul. Wow. Yeah. So now, this is, this is Bill. 
This is his little that's build. A, yeah, that's so a, yeah, now he's rich again. You, you. At, at the All Star at the All Star game last year, yeah. real quick, my my kids are there. We're sitting down. And a guy hasn't come, and my my kids are like, "Who's gonna sit?" I don't know. Here comes Bill Murray. So I'm like, "Hey, it's Bill Murray." You know, my son Andrew's sitting there. So we're watching the game. All of a sudden, I see Bill Murray just reaching over, just crushing my son's fries. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> And he's like, and my son leaves and he's like, Dad, he's like, Bill Murray keeps eating my fries. I go, let him eat them all. Let him, let him eat him. Bill Murray. <laughs> you got to let Bill Murray eat your fries. Yes. Obviously, uh, last year, a historic year in baseball, Cubs win the World Series. Uh, and it was great because everybody was rooting for the Cubs. There was a time where anyone was behind the idea of the Cubs winning. But you, early in your career, you, oh, yeah. your Reds eliminated the Cubs from the playoffs. Yep. And a lot of people feel sympathy for Cubs fans. You did not choose the path of sympathy. <laughs> I did not. And the reason was because when you're in Cincinnati, obviously the Cubs fans travel well. They're all there all the time. And everyone, every time we went to Chicago, they would kill us, right, all the yeah. time. And when you come out, Seth, after the games, you roll up to the bus, and there's always there was a bar right there, and the fans would be like, hey, you know, saying some things I can't say on TV, but, yo, you guys stink, basically. You're number like, one. All these, <laughs> yeah. yeah, all these years of that. So then 2003 with the Reds, we knock them out of the playoffs in, that, in, the, in the last couple games of the year. So we're out of the playoffs. We come to the bus. The fans aren't saying anything, and, and we're, we're all like, oh, what are you going to say now? We finally knocked you out. So sure enough, at like 5 o'clock, you're rolling out of Wrigleyville on a Thursday. It's packed. Traffic, you know, bumper yeah, to bumper. Yeah, all bars. All bars. All yeah. bars. Bars everywhere. So we're like four blocks away. We're bumper to bumper. See this packed Cubs bar just overflowing. I go, I go up to the bus driver and go, let me out. He's like, what? <laughs> He's like, we're in traffic. I go, we got to let me out. And Barry Larkin, I'm like, Larkin, tell him to let me out. He's like, let him out. So next thing I know, I'm full suit. I walk out, walk right into this bar. And I'm like, hey. And like everyone kind of looks at me like, who's this idiot? You know? I'm like, hey. All you Chicago Cup fans, the Cincinnati Reds just kicked your butt like they stay in Chicago. Better luck next season, right? And I think it's really funny until, like, 20 guys don't think it's funny. They start coming after me and chasing me. I'm like, open the door to the bus out. Oh, my God. This is, this is such a bad idea. I like, dive on the bus, Dukes of Hazard style, and boom, I'm in there. Slide in through the thing. And, and I get on the bus. And everyone's pounding on, on, on the, on the uh, bus, and the fans are now on our bus. But Barry Larkin said, 19 years in the big leagues, greatest thing he's ever seen. <laughs> Uh, this is, uh, I'm new to fatherhood. This is one of the yep. greatest things I've ever seen. You were recently traveling with your son. I was. Uh, you have, how many kids? You have three or four? Uh, I have four. You so both have four, right? It's lonely in Beaumont, Texas. Yeah. Dawson, right? <laughs> and, um, and you traveled with your son, which is really sweet, a father-son trip. Great dad. Uh, but you sent, a, dad. you sent a photo. It seems like, uh, Kevin, I want to say, it seems like you're in a first-class seat, and it seems like your son <laughs> is not. <laughs> that is. That means I. I just gotta, I gotta be honest with you though. Yeah. He's ten. I've won, a, I've won Dad of the Year for six straight years. Yeah. I didn't want the seventh year, but I figured like I'm not buying him a first class ticket. The kid's ten, so yeah. I put him back there and coach. And he's like, Hey, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe a hot chick six. I give you ten, bro. What are you talking about? You, uh, you've been married twenty years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, I heard this story, which is fantastic. You went out of your way for your groomsmen at your wedding to give them yeah. a piece of of baseball. Yes, memorabilia. Uh, memorabilia. Yeah, so it, it was my rookie year. I'm, I'm hitting, like, 250. I'm like, I'm going to be out of here soon. Like, I, I, if I don't start hitting, I'm, you know, they're going to send me down. But I'm like, my wedding's coming up. So I was thinking I got 10 groomsmen for some reason, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I got I to gotta find a way to get these guys something cool, like some memorabilia. So I'm like, I'll start collecting bats, right? So I play first base, holding runners on. Like, I remember my first bat was Tony Gwynn. Comes the first, knock the left. I'm like, hey, Tony, uh, I know you don't know who I am. I'm only up in three weeks, and I'm not a good player. But anyway... <laughs> 
is there any chance you could send over a signed bat for my, for my groomsmen? <laughs> Tony was like, all right, that's, that's all right. So I get him, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Larry Walker. And they Walker. just, so after the game, they would send a bat oh, over. Yeah, send a bat over. That's it, so nice. It was so nice. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So the last guy, I'm at nine bats, and he one more groomsman, right? Ricky Henderson goes like, oh, wait, it's Ricky Henderson. She comes at first, like, hey, Ricky, how you doing? Says nothing. You know, he was one of the guys who didn't talk to you at first. So, but he talked in the, in the third person. Like, if Ricky swung and missed, he'd be like, Ricky, don't swing at that pitch. Ricky, don't swing at that pitch. Right? <laughs> right? So I'm like, I'm holding him on. I'm like, hey, Ricky, uh, I'm so nervous, but I'm like, I got to do it for my groomsmen. I'm like, any chance you can send over a sign bat? I, I, I need one more bat for my wedding, for my groomsmen. He looks at me, he's like, Ricky, don't sign back. Ricky steals bases. <laughs> Bam, he stole second. I'm like, all right, looks like I ain't getting that 10th bat. But what I did was I signed another bat from my, the kid my groomsmen had good, eight good bats and two from me. Oh, well, that's really good. <laughs> and one of them said, uh, uh, in your handwriting, Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for being here, man. It's always such a pleasure to see you. Kevin Lard, Sean Casey, MLB Network, exclusively televised the Red Sox at Houston Astros on Thursday and the Yankees at Cleveland on Friday. Uh, hey, everybody, this is Seth, and I'm here with two of our favorites, Kevin Millar and Sean Casey, uh, fresh off your fifth appearance on the yes. show. Yes. It's amazing. Well, we Martha just, Stewart's who I'm going after. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Seven times. Really? We're going to Martha. Yeah. Although Tina Fey had five. And I mean, now she's six. 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 Sneaky tonight, hot, tonight. by the way. Tina Fey. Yeah. And was sneaky, I the only one? I would that? say uh, Tina's sneaky hot for two, going on two decades. Right oh, yeah. Now. yeah. I know. And she's Are rich. Just realizing that? Yeah, she is. <laughs> she's so she's when a catch. You're rich, it makes you hotter, obviously, because look at David Ortiz. He was ugly when he came to the Red Sox. Then he left the Red Sox, and all of a sudden he's really, really hot. Yeah. Glasses, beards trimmed up. When you got money, you're hotter. Look mm-hmm. at Sean. Yeah. He, he, he's he's hot. Hotter with age. Yeah. yeah. And he's sweating hot. You know? Now, did you, did you guys, you guys uh, were SNL writers together? You yeah. Back she was, day? she was already a legend when I started. Oh, she was? And, yeah. And she, I even knew her before SNL as somebody in Chicago who I'd seen perform. She was like a half generation ahead of me in Chicago. So it was a huge deal to work with Tina and I learned so much from her because she was the head writer she was running the shop when I was there and so you know it's that thing of sometimes you get really lucky in the situation you land in I think there were times where you could start at SNL where you're there with the wrong group of people and you don't learn anything and people are out to get mm-hmm. you. Right. I, when I want to actually ask about this, I'm going to use this as a segue because you guys both strike me as great clubhouse guys. I bet that would have been your reputation over the years. Probably really good to rookies when they came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, how When you hear there's a bad clubhouse situation, how many guys does it take to turn a clubhouse to a bad clubhouse? And obviously, don't name names, yeah, but yeah. It, can one guy make a clubhouse a bad thing, or is it is it one of those cancers where it just kind of spreads amongst multiple guys? I'll be honest with you. It, it, it takes one guy to make it a little bit miserable. And when I say that, a selfish teammate, a guy that doesn't want to you know, do the things that we're going to do as a team, uh, whatever that be, if we're going to early hit. Like one thing about, and I'll use an example, I'll use the name, Derek Jeter. When he, like on Sundays, let's just do this as an example. Sundays could be optional batting practice, okay? That means, you know what, we don't have to hit on the field, hitting the cages, game time's 105. But when you see Derek Jeter on the field hitting and taking ground balls and your best player on the team does that work, it's nice to follow that guy, right? So when you have, there's no problem when the leader on your team is a hard worker and a good guy. When you have a guy that pulls on that, separate, you know, that different rope that we always say, and now, what are we hitting on the field for? Yeah. Oh my, this is so tired. And it starts the chirping. It's like high school stuff. Like, bro, timeout. 
we're playing in the show. You're making a ton of money. Chicks to get a long ball. You're going to go deep in BP. Stop the drama. Stop it right now. We're in Anaheim. There's going to be some, you know, stuff going on. This, my point being is that you got to you gotta kind of try to get, no one's ever perfect. You're not going to have 25 perfect guys. Mm-hmm. But you got to get the same soul going, you know? Yeah. And if you have that one guy, he better be really good or he's gone soon. I remember in, uh, uh, I think it was 2004 with the uh, with the Reds. We used to, after every win, we used to go in and sing Toby Keith's Whiskey for My Man, Beer yes. for My Horse, right? We used to, and, and, the, and the big thing with the rookies were, you have to know the words. Like, here we pass them out, boom, you got to know the words. If you don't know the words, well, I don't know, we did some crazy stuff. Can you sing the first stuff. line for us, by the, by, the, by the way, by any chance? Justice is one thing you should always find. You gotta saddle up your boys. You gotta draw a hard line. How about that? I, I should. I do want for our listeners. I want you to know that Sean does not have a lyric sheet. <laughs> that was fully, fully from his mind. Yeah. Now I want to ask real quick because uh, you know I can picture a lot of baseball players that I would think, oh, they know Toby Keith. Right. Baseball. Obviously, you got a lot of guys from different backgrounds. Oh. You probably had some. Kimmy, uh, has Spanish a Latino players. guys that yeah. didn't even know English. They're like, justice is the one thing you should always find. <laughs> But I remember it was I remember there was a guy on the team that, you know, was kind of, you know, dividing, dividing us a little bit. King Griffey Jr. And I remember. No, it wasn't King Griffey Jr. Oh, sorry. That's but I remember I remember bringing in. I remember bringing in one of the guys and uh, and, and at the end of that, you know, um, when at the end, we whatever the line was at the end, I can remember the beginning, but the end, end line, I would run run through and, and give a quick, you know, and, and, the, and we loved it. Like, I, I have video of it, but I would bring him with me. And I remember doing that, like, started bringing him back in the clubhouse. So, like, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when, you're, when you know that clubhouse chemistry is a big deal, I don't care what anyone says, you stop the stat stuff and all that stuff, that stuff matters, having those guys. But when you start losing guys, you know, I know as a guy that was, was kind of one of those glue guys, I always find a way to try and bring them back in, you know, be a part of it, man. If you don't like what's going on, come up be a part here, right? of it. We have a great you, team. Like, what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Same you have thing. a team, 12, 15, 25 people, that, that they're a team. Yeah. Get one that's not really into you, or yeah. not into the scene, right? Or doesn't want to feel like doing this, or doesn't want to go get a Starbucks, or doesn't want to pull the curtain, or doesn't want to give the, the mic up anybody. Like, it, it can kind of like weigh that team down. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing. So I want to ask about the role of a baseball manager. I think for a fan you watch, you're basically, you judge it on in-game decisions. You judge it on, they should be starting this guy, not starting this guy. Can't believe they bunted there. Can't believe they brought in this pitcher. How much of it, though, is the part we can't see? How much of it is being keeping everybody together, keeping uh, everybody in the same line? And how quickly, as a player, do you know this guy has it as a manager or this guy doesn't? You know you know quickly. I, I think... I think I, some of the best managers I played for when I first came up, I know Jack McKeon was. I love Jack. You know, he, his son Casey drafted me. They traded for me from Cleveland to Cincinnati, but he was always second in my, round pick. He was Sean Casey signed corner. for four hundred twenty-seven thousand <laughs> with the Cleveland Indians. Continue 223, on. Two hundred twenty-three thousand spent all on a seventy thousand dollar loan to the Richmond <laughs> Other than that, nobody had no money left. My dad was like, "Hope you make the big league, son." I was like, "Where all my where all my bonus money go?" <laughs> it's unbelievable. But you have you have a certain manager that you know, man. This guy gets it. This guy this, this guy's you know he's got the pulse of the team. I remember when when I was struggling, one of my uh, in my first year, Jack McKean said, "Hey, listen, you're gonna hit third every day. If you hit 200, we don't care. You're gonna be in there every day." That all of a sudden freed me up to say, "Oh man, if I go 0 for four, it's okay. Like I don't have oh you know I'm gonna, I'm in there every day." And I start then I started getting it going, you know. So those kind of guys. But I, but I look back at the end of my career with Jim Leland and Terry Francona. Yeah, come on, man. 
the best, the absolute so, best I ever played with. So you you went to the Tigers in midseason? Was that yeah, a- yeah at the trade de- at the deadline okay. in 06. I was with the Pirates, uh-huh. literally the worst team in the first game. Speed. Yeah, worst they team got my first speed. speed. Worst yeah. team in the game, and then we, well, all of a sudden I went to the best team in the game with the with the, with the uh, Tigers. And so how when you come into a team in midstream like that? Right. So what's your what's your first interactions with Leon? Oh, so great, so great, so. I get over smoke, Sean. Great. (laughs) Jim Leland, for those who don't know, sort of famously chain smoker, old school. Old school. You know, back when he was at the Buckos, he'd be it had it be in his hands, and the the big leagues were like, you know, you can't do that. I lost my nose hairs as a rookie because you'd go in after ground out to short, and you come in to go potty, and there's 17 cigarettes. This is a true story now. Lit. Well, Jim, Skip, I can't go to the potty over here. I can't breathe. (laughs) Hey, Rook. Great point. (laughs) So the first day I'm with them, you know, I just get traded from Pittsburgh and, and, you know, we're down in Tampa. Can you make it down here? Yeah, I can make it down here. Boom. No, I do want to, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. You're from Pittsburgh. Must be great to play for the Pirates, but they're terrible. Dream come true. Dream come true to play for the Pirates. You know, I love them growing up. Was so thankful to be there, but we at, by the end of July we're the worst team in baseball. So, are you happy when you hear the news? So I was happy. Yeah. I was happy. To, I was happy to you know to get traded, and I got traded. The listen to this, Seth. You'll appreciate this little Pittsburgh heritage in you. You got Andy Van Slyke's the first base coach. Like that's those are my years. Yeah. Ninety ninety one had two sure. Bonds, Bonilla, Van Slyke, Jay Bell, mm-hmm. Doug Drabeck, all those guys. Zane Smith, right? Yeah. All those are Spanky Lavalier, Kobe, Bill Mallon, Jose, 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 Jose Lean, Jose Lean, Chico Lean. Right? Yeah. So Chico. so I, I I show up. I, I'm traded to Detroit. Jim Leland's the manager. Mm-hmm. Gene Lamont's the third base coach, former Buckman. Yeah. Lloyd McClendon's in the bullpen coach, I think. Uh, Don Slot's our hitting coach. Andy Van Slyke's our first base coach. Like, it so was, it's a dream. So for me, it was a dream. So it's like went from the Pirates to to the Pirates to the old Kid Pirates. Rock, oh. Eminem. You know, now, <laughs> I really made it. It's unbelievable. So uh, I'm talking to the reporters, and Leland grabs. He's like, "Hey, I need to talk to him real quick." Because hey, I gotta go, guys. Skip needs me. So Skip brings me out of the room, and, 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 and it's. It's Gene Lamont, Lloyd McClendon, and Skip. He's like, all right. He's like, you know, Gene Owens. Like, hey, guys, you know, I know, obviously know those guys. This is my ninth and biggest. So I'm like, cool. He's like, Gino, go ahead and give Case the signs. So Gene's like, all right, Case, here we go, man. Going to go through the signs. So these my- are third base coach signs, so you know. So, right. Hit and so run. This is my first day with the Tigers. Yeah. So I just, you know, you got new signs. Every team has new signs. So, so I got to get the signs. He's like, all right, Gino, give me the signs. So like, all right, Case, stay with me. I'm going to go through some signs. Boom, I go to my ear. It's hot. Now stay with me. I go to my hat. It's a hit and run. Okay. And he goes, I'm not going to give you a bunt because we've seen your act bunt and it's terrible. So we're, not gonna, we're obviously not going to bunt you. So then Leland pops in. He's like, all right, now, Case, now listen to me. He's like, when you get on first, you single or walk. I don't want you looking at Gino at third. I want you looking in the dugout, right? Okay, now look at me. You don't look at Gino. You look in the dugout. If I get on the second step and we catch eyes, he goes, stay with me. As soon as we catch eyes, if I jump up and never come back down, you steal. <laughs> Not known. Sean Casey, not, not known, known on the base speed. pass. Yeah. Yeah. And like three weeks later, I got thrown out from left. So he was right. <laughs> now, uh, both played for Francona. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, now he he is embarking on something right now, which would be uh, a very equivalent to what Theo did, yep. which is wins with the Red Sox, wins with the Cubs. If Terry could do this with the Red Sox and, and Cleveland, I mean, he's yeah. the first ballot of Hall of Famer. Probably already is. Yeah, he really already is. I mean, yeah. the streak, they went 22 straight this year, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, you know, and let, let's be honest, Cleveland wasn't on the up and up when he took the job. Right. They've totally turned around. He has a unique gift of bringing out the best in you as a player, which the manager's job is that. You know, at the end of the day, Joe Torre manages the Yankees. There are some great players there. I yeah. Mean, Joe Torre probably wouldn't have won with the 
Pittsburgh Pirates when Sean was over there, right? right. Yep. So you, when you have great players, it's how do I get the most out of them? Terry Francone does that well, but definitely a Hall of Famer. This guy, yeah. this guy's what he's done to this organization already. You know, and we can go back to Philadelphia. Not a Hall of Famer, right? When he was managing the Phillies, he was not a Hall of no. Famer. And he was a bench coach of Oakland, so we always had a joke. I don't know if you knew this as a Red Sox fan. I don't know if I've told you, you and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Bill Cosby and all the guys that would come in the clubhouse. I would like to tell you is that if we can keep Terry Francona out of the game, we have a chance to win. Yeah. That was our skit. If Tito, if we could keep you out of the game, we're going to win. You get him close. This guy's an amazing manager. And, yes. the, and the, the job he did last year in the World Series Amazing, almost outmatched Joe Madden. Just they didn't win it, but you saw just the moves and bringing in Andrew Miller in the fourth, fifth inning, and all of a sudden it was like he started this whole bullpen trend. Yeah, like oh, you don't have to be a closer and have to be in a closer situation. No, this is a key scene right now, and I think that's what makes a great. And man. you know what? One thing with Tito, too, you saw his personality with the Indians, like when they were on that streak, and because we saw we all start tuning in, right? You start yeah. tuning in, they get the they get the sixteen, seventeen. What is the, what does Tito always preach? One game at a time. Let's win tonight. And every guy they went up to, hey, man, we're not really thinking about the streak. And I really think that was legit. It, to win a big league ball game, Kevin and I were talking about, it's not easy to win one, let alone yeah. 22, 23 in a row. And I think Tito always preached that. Listen, got to win tonight. Figure out a way to win tonight. How we got to match he's up tonight. He's like a player, bro. Like, when I tell you this, like, and I, I mean, he's going to do goofy stuff. Like, you roll in and, hey, Seth, get in here. I want to go over the signs. You walk in there and he's on the pot. He's butt naked on the pot. Like, what? <laughs> Skip, what are you doing? I, I just thought you want to go to the bunt defense. What are you doing? So he keeps things loose. And people at home are going, well, what is he talking about? I, I get it. And that, that makes sense. What am I talking about? But when you go through 162 games, yeah. it's miserable. And it goes through the same over the pack and unpack. But when you got a manager that's kind of funny, it keeps things light. Well, it feels like, you know, it's such a different thing. I would imagine, you know, when you're an NFL coach, it, that's such an intense world. And you have 16, 16 really games. intense moments. Right. Whereas the the long season, you have moments of levity. You have, you have to kind of tell people to take it light because yeah. otherwise you just burn out, it seems the like. The Giants right now, season's over, right? They're on four, and you're like, it's over, right? That means yeah. four games. We can lose seven in a row, and you're like, oh, yeah, we'll get, you know, let's yeah, get them next week. Going, yeah. You play 162, so what you say is right, and you're, just, you're with each other so much. So mm-hmm. the ego's got to be checked in. I'm sorry, yeah. man. You're in the shower together. You're laughing together. You're looking at each other right. together. You're eating together. Like, there's a lot of, and you fail a lot together. So. I think one, one thing about baseball, too, I always tell guys, like, you know, don't ever think you got to figure it out. Because we've been yeah. like, you're raking for three weeks. Oh, yeah, I got to figure it out. Guess what? You're going to. Aaron you're Judge. Go, you're about to go over yeah. for 40. Yeah, you just never have to figure it out. And the thing about yeah. Aaron Judge, too, about guys getting on him, I go, guys, this guy just dominated the first half of the year. He, at some point, is going to struggle. Hey, he struggled for six weeks. So be it. And then dominated in September again. It's That's crazy. baseball. It's a right? tough sport. Yeah. It's a grind, night in and night out. And he never changed to his credit. I, I love this kid for being such a young player. He never changed his demeanor. If you notice, he struck out every single at-bat for about eight weeks. Yeah. Not six, eight. He struck out 374,000 times, it felt like, and never changed. And then what he kept working, and now he's back. But it, that's the unique gift. Like, you have to learn how to fail and do it with class, if that makes sense. It's also incredible I, with Aaron Judge. You realize every time you think, uh, oh, you know, the Jeters, they're gone. Who are going to be our next heroes in right. baseball? It's so wonderful how it just replenishes itself. And all Isn't of a crazy? sudden you think, oh, wow. I mean, as somebody who cares about the Red Sox, you see Aaron Judge and you realize, this guy's going to be the bane of my existence. How about, <laughs> how about Didi Gregorius takes yeah. over Jeter? Yeah. He's better. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's got 25 homers, 85 ribbies, better defensively, better arm strength. Like, you're going, no, not than Derek Jeter. Yeah. 
Yeah, Adam yeah. Hussein's better than him over 20 years and with nine rings. No, I think he has fewer phone numbers. Way fewer. So uh, if you were if you were a fan who did not have a team, if your team was not in this hunt right now, going into the postseason, is the are the Indians the story? Is that who you should? If you have no rooting interest, is that who you throw your lot behind? Who's the best story I, going I, into the playoffs? I'll let you go I, first, Johnny. You know, for me, I, you know, listen. There's great. There's there's great stories all all around. You know, I, I, the Yankees, Boston, you know, Astros are a great story, Even, especially because they they were the 2017 Sports Illustrated with Tom Verdici four years ago. Yes, yeah, Ben ago. Reader yeah. said that they were going to be 2017. I just listen from for me watching the Indians play uh, Tito. Andrew Moore, all these guys, Kluber, uh, Jose Ramirez, all the, that whole team. If to me, I, I, them coming so close last year, Seth, mm-hmm. and getting so close, I, I don't know. For me, I just I would love to see the Indians win it this year. For me, with the Astros, you know why? Yeah. You know why? 2013 Boston bombing, mm-hmm. city rallied around. Big Poppy's, you know, quotes of "This is not my effing city." They're not gonna mess with our effing city. Great. The Astros, Hurricane Harvey was angry. Irma's been angry. There's been hurricanes that have been angry. So Beltron donates a million to Puerto Rico. Houston's under the water. Like, I I think there's something to a city rallying around. So once your team's out, that would be a city or a team I'm rooting for. Yep. You know, because there's still healing going on. We forget that. A week passes, and all of a sudden, everybody's done watching CNN. Like, all right, next one. What's the next tragedy? There's still millions of people out there that Mm -hmm. have no homes and cars. And so I think there's something to that. I think uh, those are both great choices, and I think uh, it's going to be fun to watch. It, you You're know, going that, Boston? You're going Boston? I hope I'll make it to a okay. game. I will say last night, you know, I always feel bad for the Twins. It feels like they've been knocked out by the Yankees <laughs> so much, but that was just a reminder of that? how exciting those these one-and-done one games are. Yeah. And uh, The place was rocking, too. Do yeah. you like Boston this year, just real quick? I mean, I, give, give, me, give me the Seth Myers feel. I feel good about Boston. I like... Certainly, the fact that you have all these guys that they came up through the system that are finally coming into their, uh, their full Tendi yeah, looks awesome. Yeah, their full but, flower. That's right. You know, I will say, and this is just me being too hard. You know, uh, the boss, the Red Sox are a little bit like the Yankees now. When you look at all the guys, when the fact that David Price might be coming out of the bullpen, mm-hmm. you realize, wow, not a lot of teams can afford to right. pay that much money for now a <laughs> bullpen. Thirty-two pitches. Arc. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so that is the weird shift for me from two thousand four to now. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. just watching the Red Sox and realizing, in a weird way, the Yankees are kind of the, a, a different team. Mm-hmm. It's flipped a little bit. They actually oh, yeah. smile now. They actually yeah. have fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like this Red Sox team is a, a fun-loving bunch? No, I really don't. I love them. I, I, I really do, too. but I don't. They, they don't scare me. Let's I go, guess they don't scare me because he's the leader. Well, no, the leader. it's just they don't scare me. Like when you when you miss 34 in that lineup, like we don't have an Aaron Judge to replace him. I think they should have signed Edwin and Carnacion. Yeah, I really do. I think they missed the ball on on getting him from the Blue Jays. They let him go to the Indians. They don't have that dynamic threat, so they they're last or by the bottom in home runs. Yeah, they have a great little athletic outfield, cute. Benintendi's an unbelievable uh, player. Betts is an unbelievable player. Jackie Bradley, ceiling's high. Really fun to watch but, those guys. But like yeah. Bogarts, you know, good bat. Yeah, whatever. Who's the ugh, gets in that batter's box in the seventh with two outs and is going Fear. deep? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, is Poppy going to make the Hall of Fame? 100%. Man, I tell you what, now, 100%. Yeah, there's, I, I just think one as a person, one as an ambassador to this game, and one as a player. This guy, I DH think role. if there's ever a case for anything outside of the stats to weigh the balance, to tip the balance, 
I mean, Poppy's a guy. Three rings. Yeah, in Boston. Three rings. Uh, you know, how he got the rings. Even this is my uh, this is my city. Yeah, city. All that I mean, stuff. that's all Hall of Fame is stuff. He, you know, people, I, I always love when you go to Boston. They always talk about the Mount Rushmore of Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big Poppy. Bill Russell, Tom yeah, right. Brady. Larry Bird, who's yeah. the hockey player. Uh, or, 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 I mean, come on. And I, I have to think. You don't think David Ortiz? I think David's. I think David's. Well, I think you know. Obviously, you can't make an argument he's a better player than Ted Williams. But Ted Williams had that relate the opposite relationship with the fan base. Right, right, right. You know, that was just a love affair with David Ortiz Ortiz. from the jump. And uh, from two thousand three on, players I've seen. So it's hard. But like Ted Williams, you right? Like Babe Ruth. When I start, I'm like, ah man, I I missed that one. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I really did. I missed seven hundred of them. You talk about leaders, though. Even Big Poppy. Like whenever you land in, in a new city, you're on the bus. Big Poppy's on the mic. Mm-hmm. Getting everybody around. Tim Wakefield yelling stuff from the back, smoking a couple of heaters. You're like, oh, yeah, the, old, the grumpy old man's yelling to Big Poppy. You, but you Poppy's do. going, like, I'm saying, he don't have to do that. You're Manny didn't even know what city we're in. Peace. Like, we <laughs> land, we're like, hey, we're here playing in Seattle. Poppy, I thought we were in Cincinnati. No, Manny. We're in Seattle. We're on Pacific well, time. I do, you know, and I, I don't want to, uh, I mean, here's my other issue with the 2017 Boston Red Sox. I'm very aware, and I don't want to be, uh, this isn't negative, but there's no way I will ever care as much about a Red Sox team as the 2004 Boston Red Sox. I uh, even can, knew when it happened. When it you? happened, mm-hmm. it was, oh, this, it will never beat this. It was both the greatest relief of my life, and it was, there was something a little sad of, oh, <laughs> so true. this is the, the, when your dream comes true. Right. Yeah. Open your eyes like, they want, they kind of want, it's happy. Parents are happy. Grandparents yeah. are happy. Generations are happy. But they're like. Man, like the 07 World Series yeah. in the same, 13. Insane. Yeah. A little bit the same because of Boston, the, the, the bombing. I think yep. 13 was better than 07 because there was something yep. that yep. you rallied behind, even if you weren't a Red Sox fan. Yeah. But you're right. The 014 was special. I don't, I don't just say that because I was on it, but I do, but I don't. It was like 2004 was that moment where you married the homecoming queen, and right. now it's like 13 years later, the marriage is in. <laughs> You know, like, boy, boy, this is. She's not that into you, you anymore. Dinner, like no. It's kind of like snuggle bunnies over. <laughs> get the kids ready for school, <laughs> like. Right? But it was. But I think. I think one thing about the 2004 Red Sox, and I tell you what, like, I always remember Kev talking about, you know, hey, don't give us what we got. Shilling, we got Pedro. Remember that that clip mm-hmm. they always play, but. I think being down 3-0, I think that's why it was... To the Yankees. To, to the, the Yankees, Yankees, 3-0. That's what I mean. That's it what was, it's, that's it's, what, it's tough. Yeah. Listen, it's tough to sweep any team, the Padres yeah. and the Big To win four against the Yankees down 3-0 in the place... And it was just... A, and it's a graphic. It's a graphic forever. It's like that, you know, because any Sometimes it's in the cars. And I, I, yeah. I always tell you, sometimes you just say, look, it, it doesn't matter. Like, A-Rod, John B, oh. Jeter, Bernie, <laughs> Matsui, Gary Sheffield, <laughs> Posada yeah. E, like everybody's rich. Right? Then there's like Billy Miller, Orlando Cabrera, Millar, yeah. Bell Horn. Like, huh? I, I get it. It doesn't make right. sense. It was right. in the cards. Uh, here's a, I'm going to close with, a, here's my Billy Miller story. Because it's he did something. He did a great service to me. Which I threw out the pitch once at Fenway. Right. And I decided to do it from the mound. How'd you do? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I went, uh, beforehand I went, and I was throwing to my brother at a Little League field. <laughs> Love it. Morning Love of. It. Love it. And I said, what do you think? And he goes, 50-50. Because <laughs> <laughs> it genuinely, literally... I'd either gun it to the screen or have it. Don't so, bounce it. And, and when you do it, it's usually uh, either a ball boy or a ball girl yeah. is the catcher. Yeah. And Billy Miller came out and said, I'll do it. And I will say, Billy Miller really picked it for me. Because I threw it 59 and a half feet. And Billy got out there and never hit the ground. He extended it. He got it. He framed it for me. 
So I, I you know, Billy yeah, Miller, you, with all due respect, my favorite player uh, in the 2000s. You have some Billy Miller in you, too. Like, you guys could be like, if he said, hey, Billy's my cousin, they'd be like, yeah, Seth is yeah, my Yeah, that's cousin. true. Like, right? Yeah, exactly. Big Poppy, in the movie, your cousin. I was like, Seth, come on. <laughs> that's Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to go catch Martha Stewart next time out. Thank you oh, guys yes. for the, thank you for the post-show chat. I'll bring my scramble back. Uh, I'll bring my scrambled eggs. <laughs> Do it. Want more Late Night with Seth Meyers? Be sure to follow the handle at Late Night Seth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can also watch full episodes of Late Night at LateNightSeth.com or on the NBC app. And please tell your friends who are fans of Seth Meyers to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts